What's up, peeps? Before you get into the episode, just a quick message. Did you know that Rebranded Safety is brought to you by Risk Fluent? Rebranded Safety is essentially our campaign to achieve our purpose, which is to make the working world better by Rebranded Safety one interaction at a time. We value a people-centered approach that delivers positive impact on the risk. We deliver three types of services, technical, transformational, and fire. It's the last show I wanted to talk to you about. If you value what we value and you want some support driving a culture change or decluttering your safety systems, or you want to improve human performance and it's our transformational support that can help you, or maybe you want a highly experienced registered fire risk assessor to carry out an assessment on your building, design an emergency plan or review the fire safety design for your new building, then it's our fire support service that can help you. But before you get in touch with us, it's important that you want to have impact on the actual risk and you value a people-centered approach. If you don't, that's fine. You'll find someone that can help you. But if you do value those, then get in touch with us at riskfluentltd.com or email me, james, at riskfluentltd.com. But for now, I'll let you get into the episode. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today, we are talking all about communication. Hmm. Let's jump into the intro and tell you some more about it. Let's go. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is you youtube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit that subscribe button bell like whatever whatever i'm looking a bit formal today apologize just been delivering some risk and culture leadership training today not long got back and had to bang out a few intros and outros to podcasts so you know as it goes busy busy so apologies for not the normal relaxed rebranding safety attire. Rebranding safety, if you didn't know, was brought to you by Risk Fluent Limited. Hopefully you picked that up from the little little intro thing we do. Risk Fluent Limited has always been the company behind rebranding safety and still is, except now we are offering full-time consultancy services. Hence why I was out delivering um, risk and culture leadership training today or it's probably workshops a better way to describe it so if you are looking for some support on either what we would call the technical side of safety so kind of normal health and safety like how do we do risk assessment let's learn some more about cosh or help us manage working at height things like that or you would like some help on the more transformational side like these people are not behaving correctly or we don't like our culture things like that then that's our transformational side and we can help you out with loads of stuff that we can do fire risk assessments all the way up to risk and culture leadership training whichever one you're after give us a bell we can help you give us a bell give us give us give us a bell maybe we should do an advert like that 
Also, we've moved everything from rebrandingsafety.com all the way over to riskfluentlimited.com. Emails, everything, all under the same brand now. Everything, risk rebranding safety still exists, still the same thing. So, but everything you need is on riskfluentlimited.com. So don't forget to go over there and check it out. All of our merch has gone over there. If you didn't know what we did with merch, you should go check it out. We've got safe, you know, when we sign out with the safe thing. So we've got like a fist with a safe on it, um, on T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, high-vis and caps tote bags and mugs called our safe range uh, so go check that out go to rebranding safety no you don't <laughs> go to riskfluentlimited.com uh, hover over the rebranding safety bit you'll see merch underneath there you can click on that and, and off you go and there's also some free downloads and stuff there just our brain farts of stuff that we work with um, that you can download have a read and see if it helps you as well um, so there's loads of stuff go check out riskfluentlimited.com if you need some help email me james at riskfluentlimited.com or just go to the website press one of the buttons and it will send us an email Everything you need is in the description below. So today we are talking about communication. Communication is a massive part of what we do, yet I'm pretty sure it's probably one of the things we're the worst at. Mm. Oh, just having a beer. I'm in holiday mode, going on holiday on Thursday. And I'm like, do you know what? I was going to calorie count today because I need to lose a bit of weight. I was like, nah. Holiday mode, mate. Flying on Thursday. Get the beers in. Anyway, communication then. I was talking about communication today in that George Bernard Shaw said the biggest illusion with communication is that it took place in the first place or something like that. Um, is that it took place. So, you know, we, we always think we've communicated and often we haven't. And um, when we had Ben, who you're going to talk to today, you're going to hear from today, um way 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 back we we first started planning this like oh, last year mid to late last year and we had the prep call and he was like, oh we should talk about communication because there's loads of little like nuances to it and i've worked all around the world and there's some interest for it. and i thought oh yeah this is cool and i like this and this and that and then there's also how the academics and the language that they use how do we interpret that and i thought okay this sounds interesting and that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get into the episode. I won't introduce Ben. He'll introduce himself. But one note before we jump into it. Around the 18-minute mark, um, for those of you that are not watching this and you are listening to it, around the 18-minute mark, um, Ben talks about a story of his wife um, in the boardroom giving a hand gesture. And he shows the hand gesture to the cam camera, as I'm doing now, and the gesture is the Vs. So, you know, like the, up yours, the Vs. Um, for those of you listening, when he's talking about his wife doing a hand gesture that was deemed as inappropriate by the boardroom that she was in, he's talking about the Vs. And I didn't clarify that he was talking about the Vs. So, hopefully that helps. I'll catch you on the other side. Enjoy the conversation with the amazing... Benjamin Legg. Right. Ben, welcome to Rebranding Safety, mate. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. How long have I was trying to work out actually this morning, like how long we've been we've been trying to um uh organize this. Um it's been a while, but <laughs> hey, you know, some of the best things in life are worth waiting for, aren't they? So <laughs> yeah, we've got to start on the positive, haven't we? 
Yeah, no, no pressure to our conversation now. <laughs> no, I'm a little bit. You've got that really big water thing. I've just got this little one. So anyway, well, I got I'll, this to try. I won't let it distract me too much. I got this to try and make me drink more water through the day. Um, <laughs> and actually, it does. It's it's not bad. It actually helps me drink more. But when it is really effective, it is like today when I've got back-to-back Zoom calls, give or take. Yeah. I'm just like, yep, fill that up. That'll last me nearly all day. Well, if nothing else, it's helping boost your biceps as well at the beginning of the session. You need a lot more than this to boost the biceps. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that is probably the heaviest lifting unless you can get a pint of beer that weighs the same. So that's about... That's I can one for you. That's about all I lift nowadays. <laughs> Looking hard on the dad bod, Ben. That's what it is. Hard <laughs> work, you know. You can't get a dad bod overnight. You got to work hard at it. Yeah, I've spent fifty-one years developing mine. <laughs> right, Ben. Would you want, in case people don't know who you are, do you want to give yourself a quick introduction? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Ben or Benjamin Leg. Um, if I was being naughty, my mum would call me Benjamin. So you can start off by calling me Ben. Um, I'm currently uh, located in Madrid, Spain. Um, working as a global head of safety for uh, Ferrovial Group. Uh, and I wear two hats here, so I look after the, the, the global business, but also look after the construction uh, arm of Ferrovial. Right. Um, worked internationally for ooh, maybe too long, but I think probably the best part of 20 years now. Uh, I've worked in different parts around the world, which maybe ties in with some of this that we'll talk about now in terms of language. Mm. Uh, I like to think I've learned a lot um, over those years and uh, continue to do so even in this role now, being the only non-Spanish person in the management team uh, uh, has its highlights, let's put it like that, Um, and uh, being based in Madrid equally, uh, you know, getting used to a different country, a different company, a different language, uh, and assimilating all of it while contending with COVID. So, yeah, so being mainly in construction, um, you know, grew up in, uh, in East of London uh, as a management trainee and uh, working on site and loved construction that we get to create the most extraordinary infrastructure that enables people to go about their lives. And you can go around now and look at the buildings that I've been part of and you get a real sense of pride. Um, but and I think you know being able to work internationally in these different organisations like MACE and ACOM and Skanska, um, you know, I've been able to grow, uh, get to the positions that that I am today. But along the way, I had the chance to work with extraordinary teams, like I say, doing amazing things in places that I didn't even know existed. Sometimes I think that's where the the highlights of construction and. Uh, and working in international businesses. So all good fun. Nice. So if you're the only English speaking person, I'm assuming the whole boardroom doesn't speak English just for you. Do you speak Spanish then? Or do they do you force them all to speak English? No, 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 I have Espanol. So, so no, I I it's an international business. So um in, in that in that group, yeah, they do they do speak English and um, I was told that they spoke English in, in the board meetings, et cetera, before my arrival. I'll take that on face value. But, um, yeah, sometimes I do feel that they do it just for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't feel guilty much. 
Does it? Did it get to a point where like there's a tense conversation or someone gets really passionate and and they slip over to their base their their original language? Uh, uh, no, not not in those um, senior leader meetings. Okay. No, the guys, you know, ge- genuinely, the the, the guys' uh, comprehension in in from an English language point of view is superb, and some speak more than one language, and I often kind of go home reflecting on that that maybe because of where I grew up and English is my mother tongue. Sometimes we can get a bit lazy around learning other languages. And, and I am trying to, to learn Spanish. So um, it's not business proficient. So it, it could become, I guess this is where we touch on some of the things about language. It could become dangerous where I could start using my sort of pidgin Spanish um, and we could get completely wrong context on something. Yeah. So we choose the language that we are all comfortable with to be able to ensure in a business context we're okay. Outside, you know, I, I can fall over and make mistakes all day long um, if I go to the supermarket, as long as I try. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, a sort of a never-ending, uh, I suppose, journey, really. But the guys, they, they, they accommodate me and, and, we, and we do our level best to, to do it. Mm. But as the chairman, Rafael Delfino, would say, we're an international business and we have a huge amount of work in the US. We have one of the biggest construction companies in Poland in Budimex. You know, so this assumption that everyone's going to speak English is wrong, but for the most part, they do. Mm. I'm quite a big um, sci-fi fan. I like my like Star Wars and, and stuff like that. And yeah. you find in a lot of like sci-fi books or, or in, on films and stories, it's called basic and the basic language that like the universe speaks and is normally um, always English. Um, and I, I quite, I quite, I like, I'm kind of like, I'm okay. Let's just call it basic. Like maybe it's because I'm, I'm a sci-fi fan, but I'm kind of cool with that. Like, you know, as an organization, we just, yeah, we talk, let's, let's speak basic. Okay, cool. We speak basic. So we know it's English. Okay, cool. Um, I really <laughs> like calling it basic, but I, I imagine it would offend a lot of people as well. Uh, yeah. I, and I think what I've learned wherever I've worked, um, just showing a little bit of appreciation of where you are mm. uh, helps and, and showing a little bit of respect to try equally works. Yeah. But, and and I, th- I think you made two interesting points there about basic. Yeah, you know, I think in terms of language, we can overcomplicate things for absolutely no reason whatsoever other than our ego, maybe, yeah. or trying to look clever. Um, but again, I think that creates problems for the audience that you're trying to communicate with. And then, you know, from an English point of view, having spent the last sort of three years in a Spanish company, you know, Spanish is another global language. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in San Antonio, Texas, 85% of the people are Spanish speaking in the US. So again, it's this understanding, I think, of, you know, this, this, this thing we call language. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, French is quite uh, international as a language. Isn't it? There's a lot of, I know there's a large proportion of Canada that speak um, French. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. And I, but I, you know, I look at my daughter now; she's nine. She speaks English, Spanish, Turkish, and at her school they asked if she would like to learn Mandarin at lunchtime. Wow! 
And I think if you can do English, Spanish, and Mandarin, you know, you can go anywhere in the world. Wow. And and be able to perhaps assimilate into society. I think so. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's an incredible thing that we perhaps take for granted. Yeah, too much. We we thought we would um, talk about language for a reason, not just not just because. Obviously, there are many different languages throughout the the world, but actually because, and you kind of alluded to it there, like uh, the message in which a lot of the time we're trying to communicate is is quite important. Or if if you were to even take, say, I quite like to use a combination of like Carsten Bush's work and Dave Snowden's work around like what culture is, uh, that in our interactions are a massive um, part of de- defining or developing a culture over time. So language would obviously play a massive part of that. So I suppose it's, it's worth just kind of maybe framing what we define as language first for like a 10 minutes and then, and then really get into it. Because I think when I say to people, like when I, like I do like risk and leadership kind of sessions with a leadership team and that, and we talk about culture and, and then say like, you know, your interactions over time will define the culture that you see in your organization. So every interaction you have, think about it. What, what is that voting towards? Is that voting towards the, the, the culture that you want to see? Um, yeah. And I think everyone thinks about, okay, interactions mean me talking to Ben and Ben talking to me, but an interaction could also mean the language we use in our documentation or our videos, our body, like, like there's so much to it, but like, um, well, you know, and, and when you, when we were talking about doing this, you know, I just flicked, flicked up and just typed in language and it, and it said sets of symbols, sounds and sorry, sets of sounds and written symbols. Oh, wow. So, so it's symbols, not letters. Yeah. You know, and if you think back of, of you know, languages in the uh, inverted commas of, of other, um, you know, I suppose groups of people that have existed on this planet, mm. you know, we're trying to decipher that now because yeah. it's not language that we are familiar with. Yeah. But, but to those guys in that period of, of us being on this planet, it was perfectly normal. Yeah. Hieroglyphs, perfectly normal. But you don't see that used today, you know, going to the supermarket and seeing everything priced up in hieroglyphs. Yeah. We would think that's crazy, but it was normal. Yeah. I think yeah. it's interesting, actually, that it says symbols on there, because then you start getting into the world of semiotics and what yeah. people interpret out from a symbol, which is an interesting area for me to discuss, because there is a, there is a certain academic um, or consultant in Australia called Mr. Rob Long, who obviously is well known for being quite provocative and challenging. And I, I like quite a lot of his work. We've had him on the podcast, had a really nice chat with him. Um, but but he doesn't like the, the symbol that we use for this podcast. So Every time we sign out on the podcast, I give a fist to the screen and I say safe. Now, he he defines that as brutalistic and also his I'm not sure that I'm not sure they're different people, if I'm honest, but his kind of groupie that shares a load of the stuff, uh, Dave on LinkedIn and stuff like that. Um, he also has recently actually challenged me saying, oh, I still don't understand your your logo. And I was like, well, okay, that's cool. Like. 
primarily that might be because you've never engaged in a conversation with me about it, just kind of attacked it. But let's pause that for a second. <laughs> let's just leave that there. It's it's interesting because to me, it means something completely different to what he, to what it means to him. So to me, it's got a backstory. To me, it reminds me, it's quite nostalgic is when I was a teenager, that's, that's what we used to do. Like if something was cool, we would go, ah, safe. And we would like fist bump, right? During COVID, the fist bump became the handshake. So for me, the fist symbol symbolizes a fist bump and it's actually a very positive symbol to him is symbol of aggression of, of brutalism of revolution maybe um and i found i found that very very interesting and and i kind of come to a point to to be or maybe it'd be good to get your opinion on it like does it does, does it matter like if it means something to me but it means something different to somebody else how do we deal with that like that's that's really interesting isn't it like yeah yeah and i, and I get it and, and and i suppose from from that context of being in different places you start to appreciate different audience of what their backgrounds are what they're used to what's normal mm. so identifying that baseline for me of what's normal or what's accepted uh, is is incredibly important so i understand your point of view because yeah, and I've seen I've seen it when I was in the US a lot of, of people, you know, fist bumping. So it does come down to your understanding of, of what someone is doing or how they are communicating or what language or symbols they're using to do that. Yeah. So so I mean from my point of view, what do I think about it? I always go back to understand the audience that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, before and maybe just doesn't mean you stop. I don't think you should stop. I think you should do what's right for you because I wouldn't take offence of you doing that to me. Might be if we were stood in the same room and you know we're having a heated discussion and you went to do that. I, I would interpret that differently. Yeah. Okay. The language, the tone that you use, the positivity because it might be that simple. But if you say safe, you know, in a really positive tone because I think tone comes into language as well. I would, I would interpret it differently. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a few things there. So, yeah. so first thing I, I wanted to touch on is that maybe I think there's kind of like a mini risk assessment to do when you're communicating something out. So when Rob fed that back yeah. passive aggressively through his blog, um, I, I read the blog and, and I kind of went away and I reflected on it and was like, okay, let's assume there's a lot of people that agree with Rob and let's assume there's also a lot of people that agree with my interpretation of the symbol. Yeah. You then have to essentially do a risk assessment to say, is this message that important that I'm willing to accept the risk of someone mis- misinterpreting it or, or, or maybe not, not that important eg so let's say if there was a if there was a big risk of misinterpretation but me this was me communicating some so like safety critical information that risk wouldn't be acceptable but because it's just a brand this well it's not even a brand it's like just a a symbol representing rebranding safety as a media outlet i'm it's not that much of a massive risk for me if it is interpreted wrong so i can kind of take that risk assessment uh way of looking at it yes you can and and 
you know, again, I would I would look at it from the point of view of, well, maybe you need to clarify to your audience. Maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes a single um, symbol or a single word can, you, you're then, your audience is then down to interpreting it from their experiences. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to, you know, you could expand on it and, you know, you, know, you could do that and say keep safe lifestyle. Completely mm. different. By just adding love you all to it or something. But, it, it, but it's providing more context to the symbol that I guess you're using. And I can give you a, a another example. And hopefully, you know, we're now in dangerous territory, maybe. And hopefully people won't complain to you. But I remember my wife is Turkish. And yeah. she, she sat in a meeting and she's discussing with an operations director, all of whom were British. Right. Okay? And uh, this guy said to her, how many did you say? And she went, two. <sighs> and he said, no, 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 Eski, no, 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 no. And she said, what do you mean? She said, no, you can't do that. Mm. She said, why can't you do that? It, this means nothing to her. Oh, Wow. It's, but she's in a meeting full of British people, exactly. So apologies. I'm now going to say what I said to you before. Apologies to anyone listening or watching or anything else that's offended by that. I don't mean to offend. I mean to clarify the context of how symbols and language can be interpreted through your experiences. Mm. It was only after they explained to her what it meant yeah. that she said, oh, I get it. And then returned, returned the message to them saying, well, why do you still do that? It's really quite offensive to, you know, other people across the water to the UK. Yeah. So you shouldn't do it anymore. So, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, so you, all, I mean, all of this from this is it's brilliant. But this is the point for me of why language is so critical if done properly. There's also a bit in that, though, isn't there, like of what you've said, like tone and context are important um, and, and intent, I think, are important. Like if we we're in, a, in, in, in this conversation and I went to you, oh, that happened twice, Ben. That happened twice and that's, that's it. Sorry, for the, if, if you're listening to this audibly, I'm, I'm putting my fingers up the <laughs> offensive way around, right? So my intent is not to offend you clearly from this conversation. Mm. So I'm, I would be like, I'm, I'm kind of also like, okay, yeah, fair enough. It might be helpful to somebody to go to your wife and just say, FYI, in Britain, this is this is the middle fit. This is the same as a middle finger, or what, even though I don't think it is, but whatever. Some people find this offensive, right? Yeah. Um, but there's also like intent, I think, is a massive part. Like, I think yeah. come, like, I'll touch on maybe swearing here as well. Like, you know, I swear. It's part of my language, part of my upbringing. A lot of people I've been around swear. To me, they're just fucking words. That's all they are. They're just yeah. ways to emphasize what we're trying to say. It's just part of my vocabulary. But I go, uh, well, I did a key, I did a keynote for a company the other day, and and the lady, the head of safety, was just like had a call with just of me, and she was like, Look, I love your podcast, James, but FYI, like the comms team won't like the F's and B's and all of that. And I'm like, oh, fucking motherfucker. Like that's like my whole brand. <laughs> but but it's, it, it comes back to this point about who you are. But I like that. I like what you're saying about the intent, because I think sometimes we lose that purpose or lose that intent. Of, because when we're coming back to language, we're using it to communicate yeah. or drive 
or show or tell or challenge. It's such a fundamental form of, of us as a species. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's a verbal or symbol or, you know, sign language. Mm. You know, all of these things, or even into the South African mines where they created a language because there's so many multiple different language backgrounds, they created one language so people could communicate with each other. Mm. Yeah, it's part of our DNA to communicate. So who you are, I don't think should change. Understanding your location and your audience and, like you say, your intent on something I think he's that differentiator. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you bring up sign language. Uh, that's been popularized of late. I've always been kind of surrounded, not, not surrounded by people that do sign language, but very aware of it with my mum being deaf and me being hard of hearing. We, we don't speak sign language. Me, me and my wife have actually brought a course and we've done half of it and then forgot about it, if I'm honest. But I think it's something we would like to pick up. We always say, but... You know, yeah. start a yeah. business and have a kid. You ain't got time to learn a fucking language. Um, <laughs> and and but I'm I'm pretty sure I I played rugby for a, a few games for I had the privilege of playing for England deaf and um, and in there we had a sign language interpreter because people in there were profoundly deaf and only and only yeah. through sign language. And I was remember talking to someone um, and he was saying that um, in some countries doing that is like a sign to say you're stupid, like, duh. So like for, again, for audible people, like signing thank you is, is hands on chin and, and putting your hand flat, like a, a motion downwards, kind of like, oh, thank you. Um, to me, that's always been thank you. And I actually quite love it. And sometimes I do it naturally. I'm like, oh, thank you. Um, but it's apparently, I've never seen anyone or use it or whatever, but apparently in some countries that can be like, duh. Uh-huh. And I'm like fucking hell and like even now just speaking my language not my language but if i was deaf speaking my language of sign i'm like just doing that someone's fucking offended it's, yeah. it's crazy so i just think it's i think i personally think intent is very very important in language i think understanding their intent like if you sat in a call with me and you said the F word, the C word, whatever. Yeah. Like, for me, it's intent. If you were like, oh, fucking hell, it's hot here. I'd be like, I'm not offended. But if you went, you fucking twat, James, that's yeah. completely different. And that's like. Well, but even then, if it was your mate and you were down the pub. Well, and that's, just how we, that's just how we greet each other. <laughs> Actually, as maybe being in jest. If, if it was a completely different environment. This is where I think environments are important as well. Um, you you would interpret that differently. Mm. Yeah. So so and, and it's it's an interesting point that you make. So being in Spain and not demanding everyone to speak English all the time, I want to immerse myself in in my colleagues speaking Spanish. And yeah. when they do presentations, and I am the only one, and it's a project team that we're doing a review with, I say to them, please speak Spanish. Yeah. If you put the slides up. I can understand, to your point, the intent of what they're saying because I'm seeing images of what they're talking about. And because of my experience, again, I can put that into a context of understanding. Is it going to be a perfect understanding? No. But will I understand their intent? Yes. Yeah. Without without being fluent in language, the Mm -hmm. verbal language, I guess. You also then have the added complication, which you, you would have experienced in like... 
some languages not having words that you're used to using or words meaning different things. So a really simple example, I watched a documentary um, that was, I think it was, I'm going to get the language wrong. I think it was Spanish made. I might be wrong. Um, But I remember listening to a podcast about this documentary I watched about cycling. And I remember that one of the guys, they were kind of reviewing it. They were reviewing that thing. And he said, he said, I know this is really simple and it's really pedantic. He said, but it just really annoyed me. Um, He said, in racing, you have a, a, a leaderboard. You don't have a scoreboard because you don't have scores, you just have leaders. Uh, but there wasn't in the, in the, in the interpretation. So the, let's say it was Spanish. The documentary was wrote in Spanish and said in Spanish. And then when you change the language over, yeah. it changed it to scoreboard because that's what they were saying. So you change it like for like, and it was scoreboard, not leaderboard. Um, yeah. And he was like, I know it's really silly, but that really annoyed me. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And I, and I have it and I've had it in my time so far in Spain, where in the, in the beginning, where some of the guys were trying to speak in English and have a conversation with me, you know, a couple of the guys that I'm quite close to in here, I'd say, to them, did they really mean it like that? Mm. Uh, what, are you offended? I said, yeah. It, it felt like really rude and abrupt. Mm. You're back to your point about intent. It was just they were using the vocabulary or the words that they knew. Yeah. And they've put them into a sentence to try and describe something to me or say something to me, which I've then interpreted, understood it, but the way it came across, I was a bit like, really? Yeah. But I'm sure that happens with me as well when I'm then trying to speak Spanglish. Um, for that. I find it fascinating if I'm honest. I remember reading a, a book by, by Carsten Bush. And I, I, I'm, again, I'm going to piss people off here by getting languages wrong, but I think he's from the Netherlands. And I'm not really sure what language that is. I'm really showing how unco- uncultured I am now. I'm like Dutch. Right. Okay. So I, do you know what? He wrote the book in a language, in his language. <laughs> Let's just say that so I don't piss him off or anyone else off. So he wrote the book in in, in essentially, but it's in English. So you could, I'm, I read the book and it's in English. I don't know whether he wrote in English or whether he he wrote it and it was translated or, or what, but essentially the book is in English. Um, and I was speaking to a few people and they were like, I didn't really like the book. It, it felt a bit aggressive. It felt a bit blunt. And um, I, I just think uh, it would have been helpful to have some more kind of advice and stuff in there. I just felt a bit kind of angry. And I was like, Mm, I didn't really get the vibe of that book. Now this this context went that I interpreted it different because I I have engaged with Carson quite a lot. Yeah. I, I'm in a WhatsApp group with him. I talk to him quite a lot on social media, email. I've been in loads and loads of calls with him, and I'm also a bit of a super fan. So there's a bias there as well in that pretty much anything that he writes, I'm just going to lap up because I think he's amazing. It's full of sci-fi and and. Uh, yeah. Um, culture references as well, which I love. Um, so, so I'm like, it's kind of like, no matter what he said, I was going to interpret it in a positive light anyway. But if you come from a completely unbiased point, you read it for what it is. And then, and then I was talking to another friend of mine who also knows casting quite well. And 
And I was saying, I was really surprised that this person had said this about the book. And he said, ah, but sometimes the language translation or or like the culture translation into our culture translation can be interpreted as quite abrupt and aggressive from English culture interpreting their culture or their mannerisms. Maybe that came across in the book as well. And I was like, you know what? I didn't pick that up at all. Um, But there was an interesting observation as well that, essentially maybe the mannerisms of a culture converting into the mannerisms of a British culture, then even might have potentially found its way into a book for written word, which I thought was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't really ever thought about that, but I, 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 how it could translate into the written word, how we are as a society and the way we converse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I quite often find myself here um, looking at some of the words that I then understand in English and think, wow, it sounds so much better in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's got to be, English has got to be the least beautiful language, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, there's a few I've come across, I'm like, really? <laughs> but, but no, I, 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 I hadn't really thought about how that 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 country culture or that country background or how they communicate verbally translate in translates into a, a written language it's fascinating um because it was interesting the reason i started the podcast it's it's because i'm bo- i'm borderline illiterate anyway <laughs> um so for me to write something would just be a nightmare but my wife always says when I write things, she said like it's probably a little bit better now I hope but like she said you write how you speak. She said, you literally write how you speak. Like you speak quite fast and it's full of stories. And, and, and she's like, and, and when you write something, you write in exactly the same way as you speak. Whereas a lot of other people won't. They'll speak in one way and then they'll write in a different manner. Whereas for me, there's no difference. Like I, I write in that manner, which is really interesting, which is obviously why we thought, well, let's stop writing and let's just do a podcast so I could just speak like I speak and not worry about how I write. <laughs> Because isn't that more inclusive? You know, I know, you know, you said about um, being poor or illiterate, but there's certain things that you can use language in different forms to be more inclusive and more, I think, heighten the level of communication about something. Mm. You said two words earlier that make me, you know, want to recoil a lot in my world and our world of health and safety, risk assessment. When you think about what you what you were saying there and Shay saying you, you you write what you say sometimes I think we end up writing stuff and using absolutely unnecessary uh levels of vocabulary yeah for whatever personal reason that is yeah but it excludes people yeah and I think causes confusion yeah. I mean hats off to people that have got a wide range of vocabulary I I don't um and you know I like to say hats off to people that have but when we get into wanting to communicate important things, I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the use of simple, basic language is far better than overcomplicated, verbose. Yeah, you know, it's a word I remember from a guy that I used to think spoke absolute nonsense. But, you know, language that we just don't use in everyday life. Mm. I don't cross the road. Uh, with my kids and say, right, we're going to do a risk assessment now and let's do a JHA and just, I say, okay, guys, we're going to cross the road. 
um, how are we going to do it? Mm. Nine year old repeats back to me, well, we're going to check if there's any cars coming. And why is that? Because they'll hit us. Mm. You know, so, writing that down into a risk assessment, why not? Why do we find ourselves intent in, when we get into the written word of using language? And I'm particularly hang up about this in LinkedIn, as you know, of excluding a huge audience just because of what? I don't understand it. You know, I think I think it, it, it detracts from from intent sometimes. Hmm. It's this is this is quite interesting actually because I I can kind of come at this from a different perspective of like going starting the consultancy full time in January. Hmm. We kind of went out with the language that I would prefer to use. So there's a lot of existing language within safety, similar to what you were saying there, that just make me want to vom. Like I'm just like, oh, you know. And e- even the words health and safety make me go, oh, like that's my job, right? So I was like, I I really would like to see at the moment might change in the future, but I I think that I would like to see our roles come under or, or, or maybe not our roles, but like the term health and safety to come under the wider term of operational risks. So, yeah. so for me, I really like that notion. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the, the pros and cons and risks and pros of whatever of that. That's for another conversation, but just to pause there. Like I, I quite like that. So I was like, that's what the company is. I'm to say the company is an operational risk consultant. Okay, cool. Now I try marketing that to small, medium-sized enterprise to get some business. I ain't getting fuck all because they don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. No. So then we come over to know your audience, right? Because yeah. I'm I'm having to use words that I might not necessarily agree with. And just for the sake of getting in the conversation, because I can I can change the language gradually over time. But if the time, if the if I don't get that time, that relationship with them, I can't change, can't, I can't have those interactions to drive the change. So if, yeah, if I have somebody bring me up and they're like, oh, James, really love behavior-based safety. We want to get you in, even though the term behavior-based safety is not what I would move forward with. But, but I'm like, I don't give a shit if they call it BBS or hop or new view or differently or, or just anything. I don't, I couldn't give a shit what they call it. I want to get in. I want to drive some positive change. Yeah. I know that I know one particular person. I know a few people that will disagree with that and say, you know, words define the, the interaction sometimes. I mean, it's, it's quite tricky because I do think that the words do, do describe something. Uh, you know, you come drop an image in your head or an understanding by the words that people use. Uh, and again, experience defines how people will interpret that so you know you you said you know bbs or hop or whatever my interpretation of all of that stuff (laughs) will be different to you will be different to you know other people that we know yeah because it's based on their experience and their understanding Mm. but i get i get the point that that sometimes you have to use certain certain language or certain ways of communicating to be able to get in the door to have that conversation and i don't think that's a a negative but i think that does come back to this this point again about understanding the group that you are 
going to converse with or you're going to engage with. Yeah. You know, and if if six percent of UK construction industry is illiterate, why we persevere with with language which I find slightly odd in my position. Mm. Um, why do we keep doing it and wondering why we don't get different results? Mm. Who are we doing it for? Mm. Are we doing it to satisfy egos and try to appear to be, you know, the height of academia, which frankly, when it gets into business, I don't have a lot of time for. Or are we really trying to find out how to do something or how to engage with somebody properly? Mm. Yeah. I find the I find the relationship between academia and practitioners a a challenging but interesting one. Mm. I, I think firstly we need to understand what our role as practitioners are within academia and what academia's role is within academia right or or let's say each of those roles practitioner and academia within improvement and innovation so that that's what we're trying to do is that they they come up they do tests and they come up with ideas and and i think our role as practitioners is to not pick a side um and i don't want to I don't want to come away from language here, so I'm going to bring this round to a point, but our role is to take what they say and try it and then take what someone else says and try it. The problem we have there is that academia speaks in a language in which I have to Google every other fucking word to work out what they're talking about. Then it's not helpful. Right. And it, it takes me, like, oh, I can just read this paper and you can understand the existential capacity leverage Divides of it, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you on about? Like, I have no idea what you're on about, and, and, it, and it becomes really difficult then. And 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 I was talking to somebody the other day who said, James, why don't you write a book? And I was like, because because it would take me like ten years to write a book. I'm like a literate, and he was like, well, I think you should write a book. Like I said, if there's only ever only one reason I would write a book because there's one le- there's one thing the world doesn't need more of safety books. We've got enough. Um, yeah. If I was going to do it, I'd, I'd do it because I'd probably write the only safety book that's got swearing and a really common language in it. Or, or maybe that a greater population would understand it. Oof, I don't know about that. Great. Uh, I, 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 and I'm going to have to stand corrected by our audience and, and hopefully they'll, um, they'll, they'll contribute and tell me you're completely wrong, Ben. But I remember back in my Mace days, we did uh, a piece of work. I was asked to do a piece of communication. And I came across this in Microsoft Word. There's this rating in Flesh Kincaid, I think, with two guys from the US Navy, which which created a way of working out how easily understandable a document is by the words that are used. Because obviously in a naval situation, you don't want people to have any ambiguity about what they want me to do. Um, and uh, you could put a document, a Word document into this system. I don't know if it still exists. I'm going to have to have a look after this. Um, and it would tell you how easy or difficult it would be to, for the average person to understand it. Oh. I put our health and safety policy into it. And it sort of came out as Microsoft Word operating manual level. And you're kind of like, and we wonder why people don't really engage with it. So, and, and, and uh, look, you know, and, most of one side because I had a lot of fun there. Um, but no, I don't think any other health and safety documentation is probably any different. Mm. 
it, you know, how easily understood is the language that we're using, for, again, for the audience that we've got. And, and it makes it really difficult here because, like, if we were to take an example like investigation, right, I completely agree with the notion that incident investigation communicates the wrong ethos. It sounds like, or or at least maybe maybe it sounds like that because of how we've done it in the past, regardless of why it sounds like. But I, it could be it 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 often is interpreted to uh, to that we're investigating to find someone who's at fault because that's what the police service do and that's what the HSE do and so on and so forth. But isn't that where you're when you were younger and you're probably watching the bill or something? Yeah. Uh, perhaps say international guests you know you're watching some, some police program or something they talk about investigations so your your understanding of the word investigation is formed long before you've got into health and safety yeah yeah exactly so so if we were to try to move away from the word investigation i'm all for it right yeah. Because I, I think it communicates the wrong message. We're not out looking for somebody to to blame. What what we're out looking for is what we can learn from this to improve, right? Okay, cool. So so we'll go with the very now popular term of like event learning or learning team or something like that. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm on the phone yesterday with a client who's had an incident, and I'm like, that's cool. We'll just do we'll just do an event learning process, and they're like, a, a what? And I'm like. Investigation, <laughs> because I've just like I haven't got time to sit here and explain what I mean. Um, I, I, but I would just use the word investigation, and then I'll just make sure that our actions and the work that we deliver isn't to the manner of trying to find someone to blame. So, like, why the reason I'm saying this is because I want to make it important that like we're navigating in a really messy space here. Like this is not easy. There is no one way to say anything. I don't think. No, and you can say like you said earlier, you can say the same thing in different tones and and mean different things. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And again, work living and working in multi language environments. Yeah, my wife says to me sometimes. Why do you Brits say that? We don't. You had the same word for about four different meanings. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I never really thought about it like that. Um, but I, I wanted to sort of. You said a word uh, just now, actions. That that made me think about you know the, the environment that I was in in the Middle East, with huge number of different languages, different cultures, different backgrounds, and and what we found there was that they created this, this sort of visual impact training. Right. It was acted. It was, it was, there were no words. It, it was acting out scenarios, which I think maybe, um, you know, in our, in our did long distant past, a lot of our, how we talk, you know, people say people talk with their hands, don't they? You know, the fact that there are no words and people were using acting of scenarios it didn't matter where you were from. It bypassed uh, interpretation. It bypassed your your experiences because you could see it, you could visualize it, mm. and your brain was understanding what was happening in front of you. It's truly international. Yeah. Uh, and and I think you know some of the most enlightening times that I had were there, where in that experience of all these different 
people from multiple different places with different literacies, different education, et cetera, et cetera. But this bypassed everything, absolutely everything. Because it was acting, it was visual, but it was still a language to me, to me mm. because of what was being described. It, it is, it is, it, it's interesting that I've started to hear and have more conversations around, let, let's try and break into some of the more creative spaces to work out how we can communicate our messages. Um, I'd say they're very much in the minority, the people that are having these conversations. and But ultimately, I understand for many people, it's a scary space as well, because they've always seen safety and risk management as a very formal process. And, and ultimately yeah. our language and, and the mannerisms within safety is also very formal. So if we were to say, why don't we make a cartoon of the health and safety policy? <gasps> what? No. Why don't we turn it into a poem? Why don't we make a video out of it, an animation? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with an animation with like a, a serious animation. Now let's make it fun. Um, I, I get why people feel like there's a natural aversion to it. Um, you know, why are we not talking to artists? You know, like re read this and uh, and tell turn it into an image. I, d I don't understand why not. And, and I know there's a, a I think it's um, Origin Energy. I think in Australia, I could be wrong, but I saw their health and safety policy, and it was more visual. Yeah, Qu Queensland <laughs> Utility did it. I know that. Okay, so so, but then there's yeah. multiple examples, and again, I think this is sometimes where, you know, why is why is stopping us? What 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 actually is this fear? Because IKEA can't be wrong because probably everyone on this on this call has got something from IKEA and probably had the pictures to put it together wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's all visuals. You get on an aeroplane to understand the emergency arrangements. It's visuals. Um, you know, we're surrounded by visuals, but for whatever reason, we end up with a written word in the world of health and safety unnecessarily. Yeah. You know, I think, again, this was uh, a, a thing that we did, it was called Build Safe UAE, and there's, you know, there's some big global names that are behind that. And we worked with a company called Gincom in South Africa, and everything that we did was, was visuals. We turned everything into visuals, method statements about how to lay bricks. Yeah. It's transversal. It bypasses where you're from or anything else because most people can understand a picture. Yeah. I mean, I'm biased because I think visually I'm not a written word person. But I think I think the one of the issues, and, and I think the, the important thing to as well pull out of this is that it isn't it isn't one or the other because there are people out there that really like to read lengthy, to me it sounds like horrific, but lengthy documentation, and they and they like that. And they are, you know, learners by reading. There are learners by conversation and audible and uh, audible learning and visual learning and kinetic learning. But in safety, we just seem to do one, right? We, we're just like, yep, just write down and get it done. And, and, I, and I, when I was head of safety at the GGF, I... I actually run a panel to, for our members and had the HSC there. And I said, oh, I'd like to ask you kind of like a, a really simple closed question. Would the HSC have a problem if um, 
if you communicated a risk assessment by video? And they said, no. As long as it's effective, we don't really give a shit how you do it. No. It's like, there you go, people. Now you can expand that. I'm not saying don't write it down because some people would like to print out and have a look at it, make some notes on it maybe or whatever. But I'm saying some people out there who like to learn by watching videos, why not make a little three-minute video about the risks and the and the mitigations of your of the tasks that they're about to do? Why not? Yeah. Why, why, why not? We're doing a project. We're planning a project with a client right now, um, and we're collaborating with a tech company around um, getting their their shop floor staff, so they work in like a really dynamic environment, um, to getting their kind of coalface staff conversing the risk assessment and we've collaborated with a tech company that can record that and turn that into a risk assessment. So all the shop floor are doing is having a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Conversation is led by a couple of questions, but we're going in we're we're kind of we're starting off with just redefining risk and health and safety in their head first so they understand a bit of a better understanding of it. So but basically we're we're trying to move them away from the idea that safety is just paperwork. So move yeah. away for that first and then just get them do a couple of workshops, get them used to talking risk management and risk assessment and hazard identification, just talking about it in a group and then introducing the tech, getting on the shop floor and doing it and doing it and doing it. And I, when I got the phone call saying, oh, James, I've got this idea and I'm thinking you would be really good to help us with it. Mate, I was like, couldn't have asked for a better project. That is an awesome project. So. Uh, and funnily enough, we've just done a pilot in the US um, with a company called Field. And, and that is about the guys in the field who are actually recording with their, with their phones yeah. what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, because when you think about it, why, why are we intent on having these, you know, checklist tick and flick things that people don't use was it you know going back to our primeval perhaps position as a species we talked mm. drawings and we talked we were you know so i think you're right i don't think that like you say there's no one right answer i think it is an amalgamation of everything but at the same time maybe we've forgotten some of the language that could get us better results yeah I don't understand why companies don't have more podcasts, if I'm honest. Um, that's, a good, that's a good point. I, I, I don't know. We, 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 here, we have a lot of blogs. Mm. But again, back to the point of you and I perhaps not being the kind of people that want to sit and read a lot of things. We perhaps prefer to listen. I would prefer to listen. Um, we're still intent on creating the written language. Yeah, I, I I was working with a company a while back, um, and a lot of their people that were doing work, a lot of their their employees drove vans nearly all day and every day. And yeah. I said, "How do you communicate with with the lads on the on the coalface, the lads and ladies on the coalface?" They said, "Oh, we send out these comms on email." I said, "Right, do they have any time in the day to check emails?" Well, they they start at six and they finish at at four and what they're doing all day working right and then you're complaining that they're not reading their emails like why don't you put it into an audible audible podcast 
there's tech out there that you can have on your phone that you can make it private so it's not public if you wanted to. So you can yeah. have on your phone, blue, get Bluetooth in the vans and they can listen to it whilst they're driving between jobs. And then there's your comms out. Oh, you want you want your CEO to start talking to your staff more? Do a fucking podcast. Uh, I, I, would, I would caveat it and be like, try not, try to be authentic when you do it. Like, try not to sound like you're reading from a fucking script. Like most of these big corporate podcasts do end up being like, hello, I am James, the CEO of McPherson Aggregates, for example. And today, and it's just like, oh my God, that's, that's not the CEO. That's the, that's the comms team script that you've given to the CEO. So there's a fine line between doing it and doing it well. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I don't, I just, I, just, I just cannot understand why big companies that have millions and thousands of whatever people to communicate to are not making more short video content and more podcasts. Because, because, and, and maybe I'm going to make a broad brush statement here, but because it's this evolution of businesses and the people who are in charge of making certain decisions, they will base them on their experiences of perhaps what they are um, conditioned to. You know, if you're an academic, maybe they'll be more inclined to do a lot of the written stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're a more you or me, you're much more communicative verbally. You use a lot more of a, of a verbal language. Yeah. If, if you're a creative person, you're probably going to be more inclined to do posters and sketches and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it comes down to if you looked at big business, most of the people probably get to the most senior positions of deciding how a company operates and communicates are probably from a quite a, an educated academic background. Yeah, It's not to say it's wrong, it's mm-hmm. just their experience again I think before with what demands that if you look at perhaps a lot of startups maybe they're much more around podcasts because it's a younger generation who communicate in a much different way Mm. Mm. you know I've seen my son in a room with his mates and they're whatsapping each other yeah 15 of them in a room I mean I mean what why are we not why are we not whatsapping I mean why why are we not just utilizing technology to make it easier. I think team I've, I've seen, I've seen people literally run a company in teams, which I can't, I quite like not a massive teams fan, but yeah. uh, it, it seemed to work really well. You know, you've had everything you need in that team with your documents and you, you could also have a quick phone call on there. I was like, this is a really good idea, but I'm kind of like, we try to force employees to the place where we want them to be to communicate with each other. And then yeah. this is kind of important because you said about environment earlier, like, and I think that applies to tech as well. Like if you're, you're pulling people away from the place where they already are, and then you wonder why they're not turning up. Like, and I had this when I was in future leaders at IOSH, like they have the IOSH future leaders um, forum. Yeah. And we were the, we were the advisory panel before it became millions of people like we were an actual advisory panel when i was on it that was like eight of us um and, and we all pretty much said move away from the forum the forum it was an online forum and so but but oh, we we've only just done the forum okay fair enough i get that you've just put money into it and now you don't want to move away from it but we were like just go over to linkedin but why because there people are already on linkedin like 
I'm being selfish. I tell you now, I'm never going to go on the forum. Why? Because I haven't got time. I'm I'm on LinkedIn anyway. So if you go where I am, then yeah. I'll, I'll engage. Yeah. So if that's the case with me and I'm one of your members, it'll be the same for a lot of other people. The majority of safety professionals are talking to each other on LinkedIn. So if that is where your audience is, then go there. Like, so... And I think it, when when we think about our employees, and I know there's a fine line between trying to control the comms and data security. I understand that. We've got a lot of worlds to try and balance here. But if we can try and tweak the, not just the language, but the, the way that we communicate the language, the manner in which we communicate it, and the tech or the place in which we do it, we might fucking get a lot better if we if we design all that stuff on on a bit of a, people centered approach instead of just a here's the comms put it out yeah well and look, you made it you made a great when you said what's that it reminded me of uh, a gentleman that you and i both know prakash mm. uh, who won, a, won an award last night incidentally congratulations prakash yeah, yeah fantastic news then and but, you know, I, I, tech off of off of whatsapp hasn't it like it's, it looks very we were acom together and you know i was sitting there and we were sort of knocking a few things about and he said to me, just flippantly, why, why do we communicate in a different way to how the guys communicate outside work? Yeah. And that's where this whole sort of idea of an ACOM virtual assistant came from, of people being able to use a format mm -hmm. that they are comfortable with mm -hmm. toward information that we need, yeah. or they need. So, yeah. Flexibility. Right. I mean, I remember seeing um what what prakash does and then i remember also communicating about another piece of tech um but i can't remember what it's called and i remember talking to prakash about it and saying i really like this and that somebody has taken like somebody had taken the whatsapp kind of um versatility and style and turned it into like an incident reporting app mm -hmm. so basically whatsapp but mm. like controlled within a, an environment. So you have an incident. Okay. Everyone's got a phone. You have an incident. You open this app and you're like, you can either do voice note or text. You could type it in. So you could do a voice yeah. note. Just had an incident, boss. Um, this happened. That happened. Da, da, da. I'm just going to send through some photos now. Ping, 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 ping. Photos go through. And it, it automatically, and I know Prakash does this now, I think, and, and a lot of his stuff is very similar. It takes the weather, it takes everything. And it was like, this is where it automatically does that. Um, and then oh, it was just so good. And it was like, right, just going to get a um, a statement off the driver, hold the hold the, the voice note button and just, yeah, so what, what happened, buddy? And, and it was just, I was just like, wow, how, to, how perfect is that as an example of a people-centered approach to incident reporting? Well, you know what it does? It removes friction from a process. And let's face it, you know, we can be quite lazy as a species, but, but if we remove friction from something, people are more inclined to use it, I think. Yeah. yeah. So again, if you're making it easier to, to, to do something in language or a format that people are comfortable with, I do think you will get a better result. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. Mm. Yeah, but um, we've still got some way to go, I guess. But, yeah. you know, if Alexa can keep reminding me that I need to buy some more sugar or something and understand everything I'm doing when I'm walking around my kitchen, why can't we bring that into the workplace? 
why can't we have an Alexa of safety that people can engage with whenever they want oh. if they've got an issue? Oh. You know? Yeah, first, why not? You heard it first here. We want royalties on anyone who's intelligent enough to make that. Have you got Bezos' number? Yeah, yeah. Pakash, let's talk. Yeah, let's do it. You want to let's... call it the Mac Leg? <laughs> we'll come up with a better name later. <laughs> Yeah, in a format that people understand or a language that they understand. Yeah. Or we can create our own language. Yeah. No, no, why not? Who says we can't? Yeah, love it. I love it. Right, mate, we've been going for a while. So, um, and you've got a job to do and I've got some work to do. Um, yeah. So very, very quick. I mean, is there anyone, anyone or anything you wanted to kind of do a shout out for or anything before we go? No, I think I've I've probably mentioned uh, people in this in in this time that we've had sure. James. You know, I think uh, there's some really talented people out there. Um, whether it's the guys at Gencom or Prakash at Safety.ai or guys at Field or go on and on and on, but don't necessarily always look at the big companies. Mm. There's some very talented businesses, even like yourself with what with what you're doing now with your young business good quality people with the right thinking who are thinking about doing something differently in language that uh, most of our audiences understand so if you're if you're in a position like fortunately in a position like me in a big organization just stop for a minute and think about some of these organizations that are you know recreating the future we just haven't seen it yet and that from that language point of view i said you talk about intent understanding the audience you know, it's framed by people's experiences. You're right, there is, I think it's one right answer, but try to make sure that whatever language you do use makes sense to the people that you're trying to communicate with. Yeah, yeah. Well said, mate. Very well said. Fabulous time. It's been great talking to you. Love the talk. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, buddy. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, be good. Be safe. Can I do that? I'm going to get told off. No, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> First guest that's ever done it. If you did, if you actually went safe. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm gonna I'll probably kick you before I punch you. I've got a bad shoulder. Oh, you be. Uh, but, yeah. uh, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. No, it's good. Yeah, take care. Yeah. Okay, peeps. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Leg. I love talking to Mr. Leg. I love talking to most people that come on a podcast. So I did enjoy talking to Ben. I always enjoy talking to Ben. He's a nice guy. He's a down-to-earth guy. And um, if you ever get a chance to chat to him, um, do it. He's a really nice guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's just a good kind of practitioner. You know, he's one of those people that are just, they just do shit and just crack on doing shit. And um, I really like that. And really easy to talk to, really easy to chat about, and he's just doing shit. So go and check him out. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Great person to follow. And um, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got something from it. Don't forget to go check out riskfluentlimited.com. Um, if you ever need any support with anything, uh, even if you just want some quick advice, drop me a message. Um, I'm always active on LinkedIn. Make sure you can uh, connect with us, uh, all the socials below as well. And if you need anything, just email me, james at riskfluentlimited.com. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. 
No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.